0: Uncontrolled Airspace Information Alpha, 1353 Zulu. The members and guests of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. Inform controller on initial contact that you have information alpha.
1: We're trying to remember what was the rocket fuel that was used for Spaceship One. It was Leinenkugel.
2: <laughs> I've never once connected where they were with how freaking cold it had to be. I can, t-
1: I can attest to this. I went flying with Jeb, and there was nothing pleasurable about it. <laughs> drinking tonight ice water ice water that's what i've got well i've got water water scotch yeah dave you always shame us kill the bottle shame us get it i'm like i
0: i i get it that would be
1: irish i know but it was it was inadvertent so i'll take credit for it anyways uh, so i may have to quit this podcast and i'll tell you why because every single time we've recorded a podcast in the past three weeks it's snowed that day uh-huh. it is snowing again today it has it, been snowing since about nine o'clock this morning
0: well i i think jack that in all sincerity that this is uh, not a Uh, a temporal problem or a a career issue it's really a geography it's a lateral problem right i
2: think it's a business opportunity ladies and gentlemen if you'd like to stop (laughs) snowing send your contributions to stop (laughs) us
0: before we podcast again you
2: can't keep us off the pod sphere
1: (laughs) so jeb we're gonna have to talk about whether you can tolerate a house guest at some point in the very near future i don't know
0: absolutely absolutely Welcome,
1: folks, to episode number sixty of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this podcast on a Wednesday, on a snowy Wednesday evening. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's Thursday. We're recording this podcast on Wed. Oh man, see, it's the snow. I've been out shoveling my driveway for the third time in a week. All right, it's we've had I like I think two, you're
2: shoveling something else. We've now had this way, way, like two
1: feet of snow in the past week. We're recording, really? we're recording this podcast on Thursday evening, December twentieth, twentieth. 20th. 2007.
2: That's, right. That's right. Santa's flight plan should be on file by now. Before I embarrass
1: myself any further, let me say hi to the others here on the virtual hangar. That's Jeb Burnside. Jeb is an aviation journalist currently serving as editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. He's also a contributing editor to AvWebBiz, and he's talking to us from not snowing, beautiful, I think it's in my future. Sarasota,
0: Florida.
2: <laughs> oh, now you are forewarned, dude.
0: <laughs> Come on down. Yeah. Uh, the weather weather's been great here, and uh, I, I've actually, uh, um, Papa oscar a few people recently by yeah. calling them yeah. and asking them how the weather was where they are. And course, <laughs> they're not here, and uh, uh, it, right. it annoyed them for some reason. I don't know if they were um, uh, just being cold. Uh, um, as a uh, by nature, or if uh, there's been some I think some they don't like having of, uh,
2: their snow rubbed in their face. Yeah, but maybe
1: that's what it is. I made the mistake of adding Sarasota, Florida. So I, I my, the home the, sort of the homepage, the page I go to a lot to check the news and stuff is uh, my <laughs> Yahoo, and it's got the little weather thing in the sidebar where you can like have it give you a little synopsis of the weather in various cities. And I've always uh, had like where I'm living now, and I've got Oshkosh, and I've got Palo Alto where I used to live, and um, and so the other day I added Wichita and Sarasota. And I'm just uh, telling you, it's disgusting. It was 79 degrees like today there in, in Sarasota. Yeah,
0: yeah. We had a, a a couple of chilly mornings earlier this week, low 40s. Yeah. Um, but um, that's as about as bad as it's gotten. I
1: was talking to a guy
0: earlier this week uh, on
1: business who was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and, uh-huh. and he said, "Yeah, it got cold here today in the 50s." <laughs> that other voice out there is Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Planes magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales magazine, and he's in Wichita, Kansas. Hiya, Dave.
2: Uh, I am in Wichita, Kansas, doing, uh, doing nicely, rightly, and uh, still see vestiges of last ones. Four or five inch snowfall that we had here in my neighborhood. uh Almost gone, but it had been so warm that it just went away in a day. Uh-huh. So we, we have a little empathy for uh, uh what you're going through up there, but I actually don't care all that much. Uh, <laughs> Neither do our <laughs> listeners, they tell me. But we do it anyways. I don't know. I so. mean, well, I. I, I I walk 40 feet to work. The grocery store is, you know, three-quarters of a mile. Uh, the liquor store is three-quarters of a mile plus 60 feet. So, uh, uh, you know, we've pretty much got everything here. If it, if I get a couple of feet, I'm going to have to use a couple of feet. I'll get there. Well, it's not yeah. even,
1: or maybe today, it's not even winter yet. Or is today the first day? It varies from year to year, right? The 20th. Sometime tonight.
2: Yeah. Sometime tonight. That's right. Just remember, it's always winter somewhere.
1: That's right. It's true. And I am Jack Hodgson. I am a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. I'm up here in Boston, Massachusetts, but not for long.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alert the Florida authorities. That's checking right. wants and warrants. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, and be, that's going to mean having to find another airplane, Jack, and and more
1: beer. Uh, yeah, right. That's right. Or well. And and different clothes, man. I I can go someplace where the weather suits my clothes. What song is that from, huh?
2: Well, you just start with what you got and cut cut the pants, Wichita short and tall the lineman? sleeves off. And yeah, yeah.
0: Isn't so. isn't that Wichita lineman?
2: Uh, no, that's uh, from uh, Nielsen and uh, Midnight Cowboy.
0: Oh yeah 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 okay. Everybody's All right. talking Wichita at me. Wichita lineman. Wow. Where did I get that?
2: Uh, that was Glenn <laughs> Campbell. It's the heat. It's yeah, getting to you, man. I guess that's. it. He still sings that in his shows too. He. He was the uh, entertainment one year at the gala during NBAA's convention. And, you know, I said, all right, I'm, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know whether you cut out there, or
1: whether you or, you, or whether you just just preserved us. You know, just, just and we don't want to and find. We don't want to know, anyways. So I uh, let's see now. So I one of the ways I was coping with the weather up here the last couple of days is I finally bit the bullet and uh, and implemented a, a really nice uh, forum uh, discussion forum on the uncontrolled airspace website and uh, and I wanted to tell all the listeners about it uh, and uh, invite them to come and check it out. Uh, it's only got a little bit of stuff in it right now. What I've done first and can we I'm, listen
2: to
1: what's that yeah you can listen to it okay. is uh, is the I've taken all of the uh, all of the listener mail that we've gotten over the last three or four weeks and I've posted it there in the forum so everyone can read the full versions of all of the listeners and I'll do that now on a regular basis whenever some, someone sends us uh, uh, a listener mail by email. Uh, I will then repost it on the forum so people can look at it, and you can uh, and resp- reply to it. We'll reply to it occasionally, and uh, maybe it'll start discussions in the forum. So it's at uh, uncontrolledairspace.com/forums is the uh, URL that will get you there. Uh, and uh, I've been, you know, I've been dragging my feet on this because being a web developer, I really wanted to like build my own. You know, I was gonna like program the perfect ultimate. Online forum system, and it just wasn't happening. So I finally said, "All right, I'm going to use this new the, the sort of the premier forum software is this thing called PHPBB, which is kind of a geeky name for it." But
2: I'm going to say it looks like a couple of photo forums that I uh yeah, it's very know, very, that very that common. To oh yeah, this, yeah, it's a very
1: very common software. It's open source software, and uh, and it's used all over the place. And uh, and so I downloaded, installed it. it. took me a little while to puzzle through how to configure it, but I think I got it working now, and we're going to evolve it as time goes on. So check it out. Go to the forum. Um, you not only can reply to things that are there, but you could actually start new uh, topics if you want, uh, anything you want to talk about. Uh, there'll be a, 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 a topic there about uh, each episode, so if you want to make comments about an individual episode or, or whatever, let's experiment, see what's going on there. But let's, let's hear from the listeners. We've always loved hearing from the listeners, and this is just another way to do it.
2: Remember... We're listening.
1: Yeah. And so now, uh, of, of the, I think f- not counting myself, uh, three other members of the UCAP gang have already checked in there. Dave, you've posted, uh, one or two things there. Uh, yeah. we heard from, uh, Randy Defoe has posted huh. something there. Uh, we heard from, uh, Amy Lobota. She's posted something there and I know James is looking at it. I don't know if he's posted yet, but he did it. He yeah. sent me an email asking a question. So he's looked at it too. So, uh, if nothing else, the five of us will be posting. That'll be fun.
0: And, and Jack, yeah. I, uh, I I have to point out, um, Amy um, flew her Kit Fox up to Venice, okay. Florida. You're just trying on, to torment me about the weather, but I, I really want to hear about this. On, on Tuesday, we had a delightful lunch there at one of the airport cafes. And, uh, you know, just, you know, the wind was kicking up a little bit, and I didn't see her landing. She said she bounced two and a half times. I didn't see it. I didn't, I, I didn't see it. Uh, it was but, the half-bounce
1: uh, that was really interesting.
0: It, it was the half-bounce that I didn't see, and I'm just going by what, what uh, Amy told me, of course. But um, talked about y'all, and talked about listeners, and just had a delightful lunch, and uh, it was a great day. And uh, sorry y'all weren't here. So yeah. there. We were there in spirit. That's right. Exactly right. So did exactly you get a ride right. in the Kid Fox? No, no. Uh, climbed all over it and you know helped her park it and unpark it and all that kind of stuff. But you're uh,
1: a big guy and that's a little airplane. Don't climb well all it, over it too much. I,
0: it it looks looks fairly solid. It's it's uh, I mean they've had it for uh, a few years. It's 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 been you know depreciated from that standpoint. So um, there shouldn't be anything wrong with it.
2: They're sturdy. They're sturdy little yeah. pieces of machinery. I mean, absolutely. Uh, they yeah. were the, the uh, kit Fox and before that the avid flyer uh-huh. really pioneered the all-inclusive uh, build it out of a box kit airplane when that when they first hit the scene I want to say 83 or 84 mm-hmm. and uh, I mean literally everything came in one big box uh, the tube spars and uh, the wing box you built together you, you Slid these pre made uh, 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 wooden cap stripped ribs onto the tubular spars and epoxied them in place and uh, shrank it, painted it. The the fuselage came pre welded, all that steel tube. Already, you know, you you had to drill holes and tap holes and Uh stuff like that, but the the basic structure was done out of the box. It was Hmm. revolutionary at the time.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, did you ever actually build one of these little airplanes? You've probably built ultralights or helped. Built a couple
2: of ultralights. Uh, a, uh, <laughs> a weed hopper uh, back in the wild. Is that its so name or its 19- description? That was its name and that was its description. Uh, weed hopper was a little single seat, Was all ultralights have to be. the little single seat airplane, tricycle gear, had a tractor engine. Uh, A single-surface membrane wing with uh, curved ribs to provide the camber. Uh, Wings were tapered. The camber was tapered a little bit. But you basically sat in a little tricycle cage with this parasol wing and this tractor plant. And the engine was a scaled-up model airplane engine. Really? Yeah. And it used four uh, four D-cell Duracells. To power the ignition system, wow. it had a just little plano breaker points, single contact, one lobe. You know, it uh, it fired twice uh, because it was a two-cycle engine. It fired hmm. every time it came around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was just basically a little uh, a model airplane engine scaled up. Uh, they were sand casting the cylinders and the cases. Uh, cranks were real simple. Turned about a. Uh, I want to say about a 42-inch wood prop. Wow. Direct drive, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know the engine, I think, only turned about three thousand thirty-two hundred RPM. Uh, great big cylinder. Uh, about the size of a number five culinary can.
0: <laughs> 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 and was
2: then uh, built a uh, uh, CGS Hawk uh, oh. and, and, uh, and flew it. And uh, that was as part of a crew. That was a little more involved and started, but did not finish an RV6. Huh.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, yours or helping a friend or with a friend mine, or mine, really?
2: Yeah. Went to builder school out at Vans Aircraft. Uh-huh. Uh Brought home the tail kit. Uh, got the tail kit pretty much done. But Ed, by the time I got the tail kit all done... And, boy, they teach you so well out there. I was really proud of how everything came out. The yeah. flush riveting's really smooth. Uh-huh. And, and we primed all the parts, etch-primed them before we put them together. And uh, airplanes should have lasted forever. But in the time it took to get that done, I was so anxious to get off to something new in life and quit my job that I said, okay, I'm like the vulture. Patience, hell, I'm going to kill something. I, I bought really? a Cherokee.
1: Yeah, yeah. So would you do you still have it or do you sell it or the tail
2: still still have it uh still have the the builder's license you can get updated plans and uh they, they can still supply you with a uh, a kit to finish an r v six hmm. uh, of which there are no <coughs> coup
0: uh-huh. yeah, there really are yeah cool, uh, cool. it was that's the, a f-
2: the extremely popular it was the biggest thing that vans made for years yeah
1: dave that's a fly in I always thought would be cool to go to the uh the uh, vans homecoming that they hold out there every year.
2: Oh yeah, oh and the the, the strip that they've got out there behind the factory. Yeah, uh, if I remember right, it's about thirty five hundred by about three hundred feet.
1: Yeah, I've never I've never been there, but I've seen pictures of it uh, both from the air and on the ground, and and that must be just an, you know an awesome fly-in. What a great gathering of of uh, kindred spirits. And,
2: uh, yeah, well, and they 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 just run such a. a, a Above board, smooth, efficient operation out there. Yeah, uh, I've never met
1: the man, but he seems like a real genuine guy. I mean, just a really nice guy, and uh,
2: he's definitely a hundred percent real person. Uh, what you see is what you get. What he says is what what he, what he thinks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
2: uh, and he uh it, it, just no way around it. He almost single handedly set a, a a standard and a, and a direction in in kit building yeah. that uh, that really pushed it onto the map. I mean, gee, what are they up, over 5,000 airplanes now?
1: I think that's the number I've heard, yeah.
2: Yeah. They uh, they had a huge field
1: of them at, at Oshkosh this summer. I remember a bunch of years back when it was the uh, the long easies uh, and that that were the the big airplane there. You remember there were a couple of years where they had just like a whole pasture oh, yeah, full, of, yeah. full of long easies. Well, those have kind of dwindled and now it's the RVs that uh, that just have this huge huge. I mean that whole section of uh parking there uh, sort of just North of the forums area, there and that, and it actually goes back into the you know deep into the uh, convention grounds. It's just a huge, oh, yeah. huge, huge collection. And
2: uh, well, and you know, if you find a set of plans for a long easy or a very easy, you can still legally build one of those things because oh, they yeah. were largely sold as plans.
1: I think they were all sold as plans, right? Right, was-
2: and uh, and the, the building that in, in composites was in, in so many ways so so much simpler and faster than uh, anything that had been done in metal to that
1: point. Yeah, I got to ride in a Long Easy one time, man. I mean, it's a cool airplane to ride in anyways. and, And anybody, I swear, anybody who owns, who went to the trouble of building a Long Easy and and wants to fly it considers himself a fighter pilot all right and so you know oh it's yeah like, absolutely we went you know i went to this ride and we, it was quite a ride I had a good good old time but uh and this was a buddy of mine who i don't know if i ever talked about this on the podcast before he had delusions of the idea of actually putting a jet engine on his long easy he had
2: it's been done yeah really well, it's been done yeah
1: uh we're going to talk about jet engines later on in the podcast, but, uh, but yeah, he had this whole idea where he was going to put together a program to assist people in converting these these military surplus APU turbines that were, you know, and he, he was getting somebody to engineer a, 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 a gear reduction, a, a reduction gear, you know. To okay, I the,
2: may be mistaking here a jet engine that I know has been done on a canard delta wing aircraft. Yeah. Or the rocket that they put on a uh, a long easy when Rutan was at the beginning stages of working on uh, yeah. developing Spaceship One and working with the engine company. Right. Yeah. Rutan, that's what they use as a demonstrator for the, the rocket engine. Right.
1: Yeah, they demoed that at Oshkosh, for example. Yes, and, I, uh, I
2: photographed that. Yeah, that was pretty that cool. Was an amazing, that was amazing. Seeing the little pulse donuts coming out in, in the photograph. Uh, it was, was one it of the really few- visible that way to the naked eye.
1: it was one of the few times you know I mean we, we all go to these things and uh, go to these air shows, and a lot of these acts and a lot of these demonstrations you see over and over again and and as cool as they are technically you know and beautiful in terms of aviation, they're not really frightening because you just kind of know that the risk is really managed well down. But that rocket thing made me nervous. I'm going, Oh man, I hope this works out. (laughs) You know, I hope, because this seems like a wild idea, man, to put a rocket on, on a fiberglass airplane, you know, and, uh, but it was great. And of course, like you say, it was a proof of concept for the, uh, for the spaceship one.
2: And the big deal about it, you know, uh, being out there and photographing it uh, for the, for the show daily The Air Venture Show uh, Today paper, Uh, you know, it was really great. Got to be really close to it. And another photographer asked me, he said, "So how safe is this?" And I I thought, "Well, you know, I've never been in the line of a crash here." He goes, "No, no, no, it's a rocket. What if it? You know, is what's the chances of it blowing up?" And I was like, "I hadn't thought of that." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, but you know what? I'm not going to step back. But, but the 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 big. significance of that showing up at Oshkosh was they were able to demonstrate in a, a rocket engine that they could throttle up and turn on and off. Exactly. Uh, something that you, you can't really do with solid fuel rockets. Right. And you know, here's to four liquid fuel rockets that gave you that kind of control were really complicated and hugely expensive right right uh they got they got something here that made it uh uh, feasible yeah to go on to other things right
1: they used uh that rocket also used incredibly exotic fuel too didn't it
2: yeah it did what was it it? i forget it
1: was like it was like you know it it wasn't exotic that's my point what was it i know now i'm not remembering exactly what they were what was it it was uh we're going to have to we're going to have to google this and figure it out but uh, it was like you know it, it, bizarre sort of not everyday but but run of the mill kinds of materials uh, yeah it uh,
2: wasn't was not something that they had to have formulated it for wasn't it like, if i remember
1: i right. dimethyl chloride fire bombish stuff you know it was like
2: not like what the uh, germans were using in some of their rockets you yeah. know it was so caustic that it melted the stuff that they tried to transport it in. yeah When glass is not safe, you know it's bad.
1: Rocket fuel. Spaceship one, rocket fuel. Let's see what Google has to say about this.
2: We're trying to remember what was the rocket fuel
0: that was used for Spaceship one. It was uh, um, Google.
1: (laughs) That's what it was. Of course, that's what it was. All right, we're back. So uh,
2: we got a little distracted there for a second, but uh, but we're back. Oh, we had oh. to go suborbital for That's a right. while.
1: That's right. That's right. So I think when we left you, uh, Jeb was suggesting that the rocket fuel was Leinenkugel, which I think is probably right. But in the meantime, Dave has apparently figured it out. What what is it really?
2: It was kind of close. It uh, the the easy rocket, as they called the long easy, converted to these rocket engines, uh, was fueled by liquid oxygen and alcohol. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Real commonly available nothing and, uh, nothing real
0: uh, nothing real exotic uh, yeah the liquid the uh, the uh, alcohol part is fairly common, and um, uh, the oxygen part is is fairly common. the liquid part of the oxygen is not all that common that 's right that's the oh. end part.
1: although all kidding aside, this is a dangerous thing, of course, it blew up and killed a couple guys on uh, oh absolutely on the test stand. Oh, and yeah. uh, so, uh, I mean, we joke about it, and, and while you were away, Jeb, we were talking about how when they demonstrated the, uh, the rocket-powered Long Easy at Oshkosh a bunch of years ago, uh, it w- was one of the few times that I kind of was genuinely nervous about the safety of the whole, uh, act- you know, the whole demonstration. Um, right. Because it just seemed kind of like crazy putting a rocket motor on a, uh, on a, uh, on a plastic airplane anyways, we've <laughs> just gotten way off of the i like it we, though yeah. it's good, but yeah. we've gotten way yeah. off of our little agenda here so uh to let's see if I can drag things back onto uh onto the rum line here you like that that's a little the way to heaven. I think that's the right term, right? Isn't that what my what my CFI taught me about pilotage and, uh, and
0: oh rum? Oh yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Right. When I heard you say in, in the present context, <laughs> when I heard you say rum, I'm thinking a three letter word. Yeah, I like that. Uh, You're uh, right.
1: I like that kind of line better. But I, whatever kind yeah. of line it is, let's drag back onto it here. Uh, at the beginning of this episode, uh, we played one of the new uh, disclaimer intros that we've got from listeners, and that was pretty cool. Uh, I want to thank uh, listener PJ Gustafson from Houston, Texas, who uh, recorded and sent that in. PJ is actually a regular uh, correspondent. He's written to us a, a number of times over the uh, over the year and a half, and, and, and he, we actually have a, a more extensive uh, email from him we're going to read in a few minutes, so, among others. So thanks to PJ for, I think his name is Philip. Uh, but he signs his emails, PJ Gustafson, for uh, that uh, disclaimer. And we want more. Uh, send us in. And they don't have to all be, you know, you don't have to, like, go crazy being creative and making Alvin and Chipmunk stuff. You know, it can be just a straightforward announcer. We're looking for different voices as much as anything. It, it kind of, you know. Okay. I wouldn't mind hearing a woman's voice recording it, too. You know, so that would be a good thing. Just to make it different and to give it some variety. So uh, thanks to PJ. We,
2: we knew you'd drag women into
0: this at some
1: point. I... I I'm not even going to go there. I don't
0: know. Women in in rum lines. I'm
2: you know I'm not sure. Go. That's right. You know. so Next it, thing he's going to be doing is talking about lever lines, and then we're going to be in deep lever.
1: In the news this week, uh, the uh, president signed the new. I believe he signed it. The new legislation changing officially changing the airline pilot's retire, uh, mandatory retirement age. Um, sort of increase. I don't completely understand it. Maybe one of you guys can explain this to me because it used to be like 60 across the board, right? right. But right. now it's like 65 sometimes, but not all the time, sort now, of alternate I, I, Tuesdays. It's, how does I, this really work? Can you I'm summarize
0: it? You, I'm glad you asked. I have in front of me the email from the FAA um, that, that delineates what the Act does, okay? Okay. Now, let's see. First of all, it it was it was passed, I think, on the uh, the twelfth or or something like that. It was signed into law on the thirteenth. So uh, you know, no no moss uh, grew on this Rolling Stone. Um, Key provisions of the act include. Uh, first of all, the, the uh, regulation in Part 121 uh, uh, that specifies re- uh, mandi- mandatory retirement at age 60 uh, is no longer effective, period, end of statement. Um, then, it gets, then we start getting into the details. A pilot age 60 plus acting as pilot in command in international operations must be paired with a pilot under age 60. That is consistent with current ICAO requirements. Okay. In other words,
2: international civil aviation organization.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: In other words, they both um, can't be over. They they can't be both over sixty.
0: They Correct. cannot be both over sixty. Okay. In international ops. In, in, in international operations, in domestic operations, both pilots may be age sixty plus. In other words, in in international, both pilots cannot be over sixty. In domestic U.S. operations, they can.
2: It's actually a little more liberal here than it is uh, in ICAO. And that's uh,
1: interesting to me. I would have expected is. the domestic rule to be less more restrictive. Um I, I would have expected the
2: I'm not well, sure that, that the airlines were gonna be big fans of the scheduling complications. Well, there's that that, right. I suppose. that yeah. dual that dual yeah. age requirement was gonna yeah. was gonna force on them. You know?
0: And I and I'll be honest with you, I think that's a good uh way to carve up that baby um I, you know if if you know say we saw this <clears throat> uh within the last year or so, and we we talked about it on on the podcast where uh the captain of a of a scheduled flight had a health issue and was um um unavailable shall we say the uh first officer uh had his hands full, they got on the intercom said anybody on board a pilot and uh uh a private pilot in the back kind of Stuck his hand up and ended up in the in the front office um, The punchline what i'm trying to get at here is the odds of of uh, of both pilots on a scheduled operation having a health problem are are down in the in the way below the noise level in my mind and I would rather have an experienced uh pilot uh, as the sole surviving flight crew member than I would some uh fifteen hundred hour wonder. Uh, who, who needs help from the back with this new so,
2: dual? With this new yeah. multi-crew license that they're that they're starting to work on uh, in Asia, where you could be flying right seat in uh, 250 hours, carrying 137, right. 150, 175, 200 people behind you, and have less than 70 hours flying in real airplanes. Right. None of it solo. None of it solo. Unimaginable. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. So I'm with Jeb. I'm with Jeb. I, I will take a guy. Well, it's funny. You hang around these old GA airports and you meet some old GA pilots. Mm-hmm. And uh, my last biennial, the uh, the CFI uh, flying with me, eighty eight years old. Yeah, sharp as a tack, nim- nimble as any forty year olds I know. Uh, put me through the paces. Good. And uh now you know, he needed an extra minute to take both hearing aids out of his ears. <laughs> uh, but not funny. Because he's wearing those hearing aids uh-huh. because he spent about three years sitting right seat in, right. in, uh, ah, yeah, in okay. B seventeens and then three more years sitting left seat in B twenty fives. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And big round engines. Uh you know. I thought Six you were gonna, a long time to be sitting next to those big round engines.
1: I thought he was going to he was going you were going to say he was going to give you the demonstration of getting the light signals from the tower or something. No, no. No, no. Yeah.
2: I had you no, know, I agree.
1: One of the best uh uh sessions or sequences of uh, of flight training I ever had was from an older gentleman who uh who was I don't think he was quite that old, but I would have he was certainly in his I don't know, late 60s, 70s and and a great grumpy, fun, nice guy, you mm-hmm. know. Well, um, even you
2: know, even in GEA. Where there is not an age 60, thank God, or 65 or even 70 or 75 or 80 year age limit, Mm -hmm. Uh, the instances of health being an issue in an accident are so minuscule as to be ridiculous, Uh, which tells me that, you know, with the... the Air transport pilots having to qualify for a first-class medical every six months—it's pretty much going to be self-policing. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the guys can be doing it at 75 because these are skills, not athletic capabilities. Right. 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 Right.
0: Right. right. Before we um, move, yeah, a go ahead, couple Jeff. of a couple of other things here, and just in the. Uh, um, in this email from the FIAs. As we mentioned, there is the difference between international and uh, domestic operations. Um, uh, Any pilot who reaches age 60 on or after December 1307 may continue to be employed. Um, uh, New hire pilots who reach age 60 before... um, I don't understand this. 12, 13. Da, 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 da. Oh, I see. Uh, um, in any pilot who reached age sixty before December thirteen may be hired. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, a new uh, a pilot age sixty plus will not be subjected to different, greater, or more frequent medical exams. Still must hold a, a first class medical to serve as the pilot in command of a Part one twenty one operation. Uh, and that's still renewable on a six-month cycle. Um, ha- now, any air carrier employing a pilot age 60 or over, or, or say 60-plus, uh, must adjust its training program to ensure such pilot skill and judgment continue at acceptable levels. I don't know how what that means in the in the real world. Um, I, I suppose wouldn't they might put, put some, some additional checks in there. Six that's where months. I was going. That's that's where I was going to go next. Is any pilot age 60 plus must undergo a line check at six month intervals. I believe the current interval is one year. Yeah. Okay. And then so they uh,
2: up the bar in that one yeah. area. Right. Right. And that's where and, uh, I think they've got to adjust their training to fit that. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. And then any the last item, the last bullet point here is uh, pilot age 60, acting as second in command. Um a regular a regularly scheduled simulator evaluation may substitute for a required line check whoop de doo so um in the discussion it's it looks like pretty much of a nothing burger except for those guys who are going to be turning sixty in the next few months. I was walking that night i 'm walking through uh, a grocery store here uh, filling up my basket, and my cell phone rings and it 's uh, an airline pilot buddy of mine. He's like he's dancing in the aisles, he, you know. He says, "Dude, I just made another seven hundred grand <laughs> <laughs> because he can work another five years."
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, that's, well, and think know, that's about this: good. there were people,
2: there were pilots out there that went to sleep on Tuesday, right. Thinking Wednesday was the last day of their career, and Thursday they were back at work.
0: Sorry, I was just no, doing
1: the I was just doing the arithmetic on how much pilots get paid according to your little stat there. Okay,
0: all right, well, that's well, a good job.
2: My, I can take that.
0: My, my little stat is that's for an RJ captain.
2: You know, it's uh-huh. uh, for an RJ uh, RJK. A lot of years at that carrier, right? Yeah, right. you'd be a long time getting to that far up the ladder today.
1: Before we move on here, one little sidebar on this thing, um, and this is just a little thing for me, probably for you guys too. A lot of the new, uh, more than one of the news stories about this retirement bill getting signed, or this new retirement age bill getting signed, referred to the uh, pilots involved here as being commercial pilots. They said now commercial pilots don't have to retire until age 65 and and correct me if i'm wrong but that's not the case this isn't about commercial pilots this is oh, about
0: airline pilots right it's uh it's not and that, that's typical mainstream media um oversimplification um i have a commercial license okay that doesn't mean that i could if i turn 61 tomorrow Well, let me, let's say in november if i had turned 61 it doesn't mean i couldn't fly right. this is a this is a rule that affects part 121 of the federal aviation regulations which part are vernacular
2: or atps part
0: 121 yeah uh regulates the operation of large aircraft and scheduled operations um, and basically we're talking, you know, the, the Deltas and United and Americans of the world. Um, those, you know, the creme de la creme, if you will, of, the, of uh, what, how the FAA regulates uh, uh, commercial operations. This is not the same as um, flying, uh, um, uh, flying auto parts from, uh, you know, Tijuana to Detroit. Right. Um, you could do that. You know, after age 60 uh, as pilot-in-command with your ATP uh, in a uh, Part 135 operation. Yes. Yeah. for whatever. that matter, Dave's yeah.
1: PS pilot with the ADSB right. stuff uh, flying a 747. I don't know right. if really have them.
0: Well, not, I'm, com- I'm not a 7.2, I don't think. I, th- I think uh, it has the- to... Yeah it, 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 because that would be something in the way of a 121 operation and I, I don't know how it breaks down as far well, as past
2: and it didn't say anything well 25 125.
0: 125 is such a bastard child and that, in fact it's going to it literally is is going to be going away uh 125 is basically uh, part 91 for uh, um well I won't say part 91 but it, it's um uh, sports teams and, and uh, uh, people like that operating large aircraft, and they bring people on, and they go in here and there, and they loan aircraft around, and uh, it gets a little crazy uh, after a while. And there was a big rulemaking committee a couple of years ago, and they just basically decided, we don't, we don't really need a 125 anymore, and that's why it's going to kind of go away in a few years. But anyway, what I was getting <laughs> at is, is, is after um, – uh, you know, before before last week, a lot of airline pilots would turn age 60. They'd step out of the 121 cockpit. They'd move into the 135 cockpit. They'd be flying Lears and Gulfstreams uh, with, you know, uh, uh, high-priced passengers in the back. Or they'd go fly freight or, or something else uh, under under 135. They just couldn't fly under 121 anymore. Yeah. At least at least passenger carrying. I'm, I'm kind of vague on 121 non-passenger carrying. Right.
2: Well, but, it bears pointing out here, too, that not every segment of the aviation community is exactly a fan of this law, ch- law, law change. Right, right. Because this was not a regulatory change. This was a, a, a statutory change by Congress on the FAA regs. Uh, a lot of younger pilots, they may not be wild about this. But, they don't get, you know, get to step up. inevitably and... slow down some of them.
1: Yeah. So anyways, uh, tell all your friends that this is not about commercial pilots. It's about, well, I simplify it by saying airline pilots. But, it you know, it's... Uh- well, the way, the,
2: way, the way most of the public sees this is they they're always identified as commercial airlines, right. which is accurate. So the commercial pilots... Uh, or the the commercial airlines got to employ commercial pilots, right? Mm-hmm. That makes the translation for the general public a lot easier for the newspaper yeah, I know. than putting in an extra paragraph that says, "Air transport pilots and uh, Part One Twenty One right. pilots fly scheduled air carrier service." Blah, blah blah blah. No, they just want to say they fly for commercial airlines. I know.
0: I know. Which it's, starts which starts getting into one of my big pet peeves about quote pleasure pilots unquote. Uh-huh. Uh, um, yeah, I understand. You know the the, the difference between pleasure and commercial, in, in the in the eyes of many of the in the media. But uh, guys, I don't necessarily use my airplane for pleasure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun when I fly it, but I use it for personal transportation. That's right. It's I I use it like you use a minivan. Yeah,
2: yeah it's kind of like you don't call somebody driving their car to work, right? A pleasure driver.
0: Right. That's right. I can t-
1: I can attest to this. I went flying with Jeb, and there was nothing pleasurable about it.
2: At <laughs> <laughs> uh, last, confirmation from another source.
0: <laughs> oh, you will pay for that, Mister. Oh, no doubt. Yes. Gloria Winters. Gloria, Gloria Winters. Gloria Winters.
2: So two episodes ago, uh, Jeb letter and- fa- writing fan letters to.
1: Jeb invented. Guys, uh, penny. Yeah. Jeb invented the uh, uncontrolled airspace trivia contest, and uh, <laughs> and we didn't get anybody uh, answering. And then all of a sudden, uh, right after we posted the last episode, we got like a whole flurry of answers. All right, and so, uh, but before we go on to the winners here or the winner, um, so. First of all, Jeb, who was Gloria Winters? Tell us. Drum roll, please. Right?
0: Gloria Winters was, as the song says, Sky's niece, Penny. We were talking about Sky King two yeah. episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And I was I just happened to be doing some clicking uh, while we were doing that and uh, came across the little factoid that um, uh, the woman who played Penny um, on the, uh, on the uh, television show was named Gloria Winters. And it just struck me as a great little trivia question. And you, t- you two guys didn't know it.
1: Uh, I did not know it. No, I, I didn't. Um, I was just
0: so. looking at.
2: Are you kidding, man? I was glued to Sky King until I was oh,
0: I was 23. too. I was too. We're going to come back oh, to I don't, Sky I don't know King. about the twenty three part, but Sky uh, King actually <laughs> plays a part
1: in in listener mail. I'm just right now. I'm looking at. I, it appears that she's still living, which would be cool. It,
0: it does appear that she is still living. Yes.
1: And uh, Gloria Winters, this is from Wikipedia, is an actress most noted for playing Penny in the 50s and 60s American television series Sky King. She was a child actor, started by playing a baby in Virtue with Carol Lombard. Uh, she hmm. was in about 20 films. She also no appeared kidding. on stage. There's a lot more stuff in here. Apparently she was she played Babs Riley in The Life of Riley. Uh hmm. The, I believe Babs oh was the daughter. Oh God! Yeah, and uh, this, was first, right. this, was this was the first. This was the first version. This was the Jackie Gleason version of the Life of Riley, which was before the one that's more well known as the, the William Bennett. Anyways, Glory Winters played Penny on Sky King. And uh, I, and now, before the one last thing before I announce who the winner is, uh, it was, you know, and I've listened to the episode two or three times now doing post-production, and it's not exactly clear to me what the prize was. So... Uh,
0: well, the, the prize was, um, I think we, we settled on a mug, yeah. I think we did. So, mug or a mug or a hat. So a mug uh, or a
1: hat. Yeah, a, yeah. Mug, a mug or a hat. Okay, we're going to find him yeah. an uncontrolled airspace mug or hat or what the heck, maybe both. So uh, now the
2: envelope, please.
1: Okay. The envelope. Is. So we got. Um, so it was very bizarre because, like I said, I posted the, the previous, previous episode on Monday <laughs> evening. Um, on Tuesday morning at eight AM, I m. am
2: so glad the Hollywood writers aren't here.
1: Answers started coming in, and uh, and uh, there's no writing going involved here. We're honoring that strike.
0: Well, I was uh, just going to say, should we do a Carnac to magnificent no, and hold no, an envelope? No, no. So a your whole head bunch came
1: in. Um, first of all, let me say that um, there was a bunch that came in throughout that day, and I want to give an honorable mention to the half dozen or so people who who didn't make the cut, who weren't first but did answer within a couple hours of the winner. So uh, honorable mentions go to uh listeners uh Tomasz I think is how you, or Cor- Corwell uh Corwell. J Scott Northcutt, uh, Ray- Roy Etter and Chance Yeoman. So Tomasz J Scott Roy and Chance were the uh, were, didn't quite make it, but they had the right answer and uh, they arrived throughout the day. But the winner, the winner, drum, was, roll, hey, drum they, roll, drum roll, drum, drum roll, please, da-da-da-da-da. is uh, listener Larry Noe uh, f- oh, okay. uh, from uh, Larry Noe. No, I, I think he told me in an email that, he, that the E is pronounced, Noe. The
2: B is pronounced? Okay.
1: Yeah. So, Larry Noe, and I apologize if I got that wrong, but I believe that's what he told me. He sent in his email. It arrived in my email box at 8 a.m. The next one was about 8.30, so he was clearly the winner. It wasn't close in that regard. Oh, yeah. Uh- and... uh um, interestingly, Larry is based at go, Caldwell Airport in New Jersey, which is James' uh, home base. That's right. Uh, so yeah, that's probably his,
2: his summer base. So whatever.
1: I don't and, know. We have a controversy here. I wonder if James maybe clued him in. Larry, sudden,
2: you need to let us know how to find you with an envelope yeah. and whether your preference is a ball cap. Or a coffee mug. Uh-huh.
1: So congratulations to Larry. Thanks to everybody Absolutely. else. We did get a handful of others after that first day, but I just kind of wanted to call attention to the ones who, who sent it in the first day and didn't quite make the, uh, the cutoff.
2: Yeah. Way to go guys. I mean, uh, that's kind of deep trivia unless you were, you know, at an advanced age like Jeb. Well, I have
1: to mm-hmm. tell you, and, and by the way, the, uh, I think the email that, uh, Well, I guess I'll probably post on the forum um, all of these emails. But it was interesting because, and and at first I thought I don't know if this is fair. And then I went back and listened to the uh, to the that part of the episode again. And and Jeb actually said all you got to do is Google it, all right. And because a a number of people actually sent me an email into which they had pasted the text from the Wikipedia entry,
2: (laughs) 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 which I thought was odd.
1: And then I'm thinking, well, maybe they don't know that the simple answer is it was Penny from Sky King, and they wanted maybe the Babs from Life of Riley. Answer, you know, so
2: they gave me well, everything. I had a and,
0: well, and, 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 you know, not to, uh, not to be, you know, state the obvious, we were talking about Sky King in that episode. Yes. I, and, and right after which I said, oh, by the way, trivia question of the week, who was? And, uh, Da, 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 da. Another right. little, awesome. another little item just kind of popped up on my screen, and I know it's not on our little master uh, okay. uh, list, up? list here. Um, I, I participate in something called the DC Pilots List, which is uh, mm-hmm. just an email, a list server, an email uh, list uh, of, as the name implies, Washington D.C. area pilots. And a couple of weeks ago, um, actually, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. Now there was a, um, a post that popped up. Uh, someone was looking for quote a crazy ferry pilot unquote yeah and the the crazy part of this was um, they needed a, a ferry pilot someone who was qualified and experienced in an open cockpit steerman to fly it from Minnesota uh, Green Bay actually to Gulfport Mississippi to arrive before Christmas. And this is, again, obviously in December. Um, I just got an email here just a few minutes ago that there was a mission accomplished is the title of the, of the email. There was a, a pilot in the, from the D.C. area who actually uh, had all the requisite qualifications. Uh, took 13 flying hours over seven days. Lowest ground temperature was plus four degrees Fahrenheit on departure from Green Bay mm-hmm. um to get this open cockpit steerman to Gulfport. And it was warmest in Gulfport on arrival at seventy five degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> um, the the um, um four hundred yeah. miles or brutal. <laughs> I, bet, I bet. Um um, but there's there's some pictures, and there'll be a link posted up uh, later on. And I just I just find that really just a really interesting uh, story. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, uh, Can you say just, a snowmobile suit? You know, yeah, well that and and uh, uh, bun warmers and uh, uh, all kinds of neat tricks to to stay uh, stay warm in that kind of an environment. You, you know, but all so,
2: those years growing up watching World War II movies. Okay. Uh huh. You know, the B-17 bomber cruise. Now, my right. uncle, on my father's side, was a B-17 captain. So that was of particular interest to me. I knew just enough to know, wow, that's what Uncle Phil flew. But I never once in watching all those black and white movies on TV as a kid connected where they were with how freaking cold it had to be standing there next to an open hole in a fuselage with a 50 caliber machine gun mm-hmm, poking yeah. out there and all that air moving around. And, of course, they're on oxygen masks, and they're dressed in stuff with fur lining. Right. And my brain didn't quite click until the commemorative Air Force, then called the Confederate Air Force, hosted me on a flight on one of their B-17s, sentimental journey at yeah. the uh, Dayton Air Show 25 years ago. I call into this thing, and I see these outlets, electrical outlets. I said, well, there's headphones, there's oxygen. What are these for? Well, that's where they plug their electrically heated suits. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, well, it was not only minute. cold because oh of Oh, my this- God, they had to have electrically heated suits to survive up there even in the freaking summertime. Right. Oh my god. Yeah, because yep. it was not only the the
1: season at altitude it was really cold up there,
2: you know. That's right. That's right. Season aside, when you start getting up, uh, you know, 20,000 feet plus even in the summertime, brother, you, that's not shorts and sandals weather. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. We got a bunch of listener mail uh and uh I wanted oh to Oh my god. Um And uh, again, all the listener mail now is posted in the forum, so you can go and read the full text of all of these uh, emails, as well as some that I'm not going to summarize here. Uh, A lot of great mail. Again, we thank our listeners for uh, staying in touch. And now you can not only go in and read them, you can go in and reply. You can uh, uh, extend the conversation or answer a question or uh, you know, just just generally say thanks for the info um, in the uh, forum area. But let me kind of go through a few of these. Let's see now. The first one is from uh bernard from greenfield park montreal he write, and again i'm summarizing this is not the entire email he says as for myself i'm a regular ga pilot living in a town called greenfield park just south of montreal next to cyhu it's an air i believe that's an airport identifier up there that's my airport aer- my airplane is a 2006 mall an m4 O V. v is based at C-Y-N- cyjn a former military base He says, anyhow, in relation to podcast number 56, when you talked about the P-38 emerging from the sand, I wanted to inform you of something somewhat similar that is happening in Quebec, Canada. He says a Lockheed 18 lodestar was found in the bush after sitting there for over 40 years. A bush pilot buddy of ours saw it on the ground, and from then on, a project has been started to make this pl- airplane fly again. A complete and interesting website is devoted to it. It's uh, www. Uh, we'll put this in the show notes, but I'll try and read it here: www.cf-cpa.ca. He says it might be of interest to you and your listeners. So uh, thanks to just Bernard re- from just, Montreal. Just,
2: just to say, folks, a little search: c h, c y h u. Canada's airports all start with C. It's like in the international database, all U.S. start with K.
1: K. Yeah.
2: Uh, Yankee Hotel uniform is Saint Hubert, Quebec.
1: Okay. And what's YJN?
2: Was working on that one.
1: <laughs> well, he's working on that. The sex. The next email is from Se- uh, sex email. Yeah, I know. Well, Saint- no. let's get to the
2: sex Jean. email. No, no. Saint- I'll send. Jean. What is it? Saint Jean, Quebec. Uh, okay.
1: That's apparently the former military base.
2: That's the former military base. Saint
1: John, is that like Saint John, Newfoundland, or?
2: Well, Saint Jean is the way it's spelled. Uh, I don't uh, think so I think because Quebec, it's yeah, pronounced yeah. Saint Jean. Yeah, he says yeah. he's
1: from Montreal area. So,
2: okay. next email. Oh, yeah, this from, is definitely Quebecois.
1: From Robert from I'm not sure where, because he didn't uh, put a clear uh, location in his email. He says, uh, thought I'd just let you know that uh, all the Sky King videos are on the website for American Flyers. I heard you on last week's show, and I thought I'd let you know. And we're going to come back to that in a second. There's a little more detail in another email. He says, but, he, but then Robert goes on to say, I've listened to all of the podcasts and love the program. Thanks for all you do. My youngest son has just passed his IFR written at the age of 18, and I have returned to flying after 26 years. I'm midway through my CFI training and looking forward to training my oldest son in our new 1976 Cessna 172. He flies as an observer on a helicopter. So as you can see, flying runs in my family, and all of us listen to un- controlled airspace. So thanks so this, to Robert yeah, and his good, family. Robert we,
2: Robert, we wondered where you'd been. Welcome back.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, run, I run across people like this from time to time at Oshkosh, When I, because my beat out there writing the column is just to go out in the field and talk to regular folks. And it's the cool, I mean, a lot of cool stories, but one of the themes I run across from time to time is sort of handing down the knowledge of flight from parent to child you know and most typically it's father to son and i've met multiple generations like a, a a a guy who's there with his son who he's teaching to fly and the guy was in fact taught by his father the kid's grandfather i mean it's just i i just think those are cool stories um i've also run into stories with with mothers teaching their daughters and mothers teaching their sons and i mean it's just that multi-generational thing is awesome i Someday ask me about my thing about flight instructors. I think it's a, one of the more noble uh, pursuits that you can – I agree. Um, I. And uh, for many reasons, both practical and philosophical, I think I have huge respect for flight instructors. But uh, thanks to Robert from I'm Not Sure Where, a great story about him and his family, and uh, we wish you luck. We'd love to hear more about uh, your flying experiences with your family. Next is uh, Richard from also I don't know where, but Richard just wrote, um, again, there's more in the, in the forums area, but one part of what he wrote is thought I'd drop you a note about the availability of Sky King show. Um, he says, American Flyers, and this is the website the other guy referred to, he says, America, he see, now, I'm not, I haven't checked this to make sure it's true, but if it's true, it's cool. American Flyers has all of the episodes available online and free. And he says this is at www.americanflyers.net no, it doesn't have the whole email here. But go to the website, go to the forum, or go to the show notes and have the whole uh, – or just go to AmericanFlyers.net and search around. But he claims they're there free and that you can watch them all at your leisure, he says. So that would be cool. I'm going to have to check that out and watch some of those old uh, Sky King episodes. And, uh, yeah. Um,
0: wow, he's got 64 episodes here.
1: Really? And does it really no. look like they're there to uh, –
0: to actually stream and, and watch. Looks like uh, well, I just clicked on one. Let's see what happens. I got a Windows Media Player opening up, and it, it says Sky King, and uh, uh, yeah, this looks like it's happening. Cool. This is not bad. Cool.
2: And yeah. I believe you can through the EAA website buy. They used to offer it in VHS format. Yeah. Yeah. The- most of us here are old enough to remember what VHS is. <laughs> And uh you know most of us still have a player because there's all this old stuff that we got on VHS that we haven't seen on DVD yet. That's right. So yeah.
1: Next is uh, from PJ from Texas. PJ is the the guy who did the intro at the beginning of the show. And he also, uh, when he sent me the intro, included a couple of uh, airport restaurants that he likes. The first one is called the Southern Flyer Restaurant at Brenham, Texas, 11R. He says it's a 50s-style diner with great southern soul food and excellent burgers. It's right on the airport, and it really does a good job of attracting non-aviators from the local community to come out and eat. Every time I go, I always see some adult softball or Little League baseball team there eating after their game. My favorite part, aside from the cute waitresses in poodle (laughs) skirts, he writes, he says, uh, is the screened-in deck out back with a great view of the runway. Try the shakes or malts if you come here, all made from locally made Bluebell ice cream. It's the Southern Flyer restaurant in Brenham, Texas. And then he also tells us about the Aviator's Grill at David Wayne Hooks Airport in Houston, Texas. KDWH. Uh, He says it has some of the best burgers in the Houston area. The restaurant primarily serves pilots, but a few non-aviators go there as well. On any given day, if you go in at lunch, you'll see based pilots, transient private pilots, transient jet jocks, jack jet jockeys, same thing, Uh, medical helicopter crews, based flight instructors, and military aviators stopping in on their training flights, eating in this restaurant with the sounds of ground and tower control playing over the speakers in the restaurant. That's the Aviator's Grill at David Wayne hooks airport in houston texas so thanks pj uh once again he's provided us a number of things over the years if you went back through past episodes he's sent us email before with with lots of interesting information and finally royce from colorado writes uh one very interesting thing mentioned on the uh Oh, he, that's right. I'm sorry. I give you a little background here. He's talking about the uh, Solos Restaurant that uh, we talked about uh, last time, which was the uh, KC-97 tanker that's been retired and turned into uh, seating and, and displays for, uh, I believe, in Colorado Springs. One very interesting thing mentioned on the menu is that at one time the KC-97, which was typically powered by four piston engines, was fitted with two additional GE J-47 turbojets so that the plane could keep up with the jets it was trying to refuel. He says, I wonder if any other uncontrolled airspace gang member knows of any other aircraft that had both piston props and jet engines operating at the same time. And so uh, first of all thanks to Royce for that that little tidbit here now here's my qu- so when I when he when I read yes, the, the, the first quick one answer I, is yes, yes of course well of course the first one I thought of was that crazy air show act the uh, the Waco biplane where he put no, 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 he no, no, mounted no. a jet well, engine underneath the fuselage and did no, a combination no, no, no. thing the, in
0: the B 36
1: okay yeah tell tell B, us about that
0: the B 36 uh, let's see uh, the consolidated was the manufacturer B-36 was originally designed uh, as a uh, six-engine bomber, six uh, um, rear uh, pusher configuration uh, engine driving propellers. So it was powered by uh, some some uh, radial engines. Let me see if I can find the spec on that. Um, that did not have enough power um to to um meet the needs at the time so they added uh four jet engines um two in in a pod under each wing tip uh to help it uh, uh with the load it had to carry etc uh so yes there's another uh, uh military aircraft the uh, I'm sorry had 6 Pratt & Whitney R430 4360 Wasp major radial piston engines at 28: Yeah, 28 cylinders each, OK. Um, and uh, those were, you know, obviously 4,360 4, cubic inches. Um, um, the prototype let's see, um, I think the early prototype engines delivered uh, 3,800 horsepower apiece. Um, No, I'm sorry, Uh, later versions delivered 3,800 horsepower apiece for 22,800 horsepower from the six of them. Mm. Uh, But um, in subsequent models of the B-36, uh, suspended uh, uh, General Electric J-47 engines in pods underneath the wings. So, yes, there was another there's another airplane in addition to the uh, KC-97 and in fact, I don't think it was I think it was a similar deal with the KC-97 and which was a Boeing product as I recall. The KC-97 was originally manufactured with piston engines, radials. And uh, as the aircraft it was fueling got faster and faster, um, the 97 had to get faster and faster, so they stuck some uh, uh, the same kind of engines, J47 turbojets under the wings of it too, to help uh, help speed it along at altitude. Uh, just you know more trivia.:
2: Cool. Cool. Uh, anything to add to that, Dave? Well, I was just thinking about the poor B-52 pilot that suffers an engine loss while on the instrument approach and faces the deadly 7 engine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we we talked about that last week. Did didn't we, we talk we? about yeah. that? We mentioned that last week, yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Thanks
2: to everybody you know, you sent You start us. talking six and eight and ten engines. I start uh-huh. going, wow, tremendous <clears> fuel <throat> management. I mean, you got to have gasoline and Jet A. Uh, yeah, yeah. B. Yeah. They're going to burn off at different rates because of the different consumption rates per horsepower in those days. Boy, managing the fuel load on that airplane, they must have had a special engineer just to do concierge on the fuel.
0: Well, if you want to see um some some decent video of a B36 in operation, rent the old movie, the old James Stewart movie, Strategic Air Command. Air Command. That's right. And uh not only is there uh some just some great photography of a 36 airborne, but there's also some pretty decent stuff of B47s. Yep. Uh airborne. So
2: B47s yeah. were based right mm-hmm. over here at McConnell. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cuz they came right out of the Wichita factory. Mhm. So thanks to everybody who sent us in the mail.
1: Uh, we uh, really, really appreciate. It. We love getting this stuff, and uh, and uh, we often learn things stuff, guys. We didn't learn our, we didn't know ourselves. Before we move on, one other which uh, which,
0: which is not hard to do. It's right. not,
1: well, for right. me certainly, you guys know everything. It's a low bar, uh, and
0: I'm getting better at better at pretending I know everything. Yeah, so. you have to. And I'm getting better to, and
2: better at finding the bar. That's
0: right. The the low bars you have to stoop really low to get into.
2: <laughs> that's only um, because they got short bartenders.
1: Another yeah. thing we've heard repeatedly—not an awful lot of times, but but more than a few times—from listeners, and this is very gratifying and a little sensitive. So, but um, a lot, a number of listeners have asked us how they might make a financial contribution to the podcast, um, and uh, and and that's just really generous and gratifying. And first of all, before I even begin to talk about this, and I think I speak for all three of us when I say, we'd do this podcast if we didn't see a nickel, all right? Um, we don't exactly. do this for money. We do this because it's fun to get together and talk to each and, other. And,
0: and we and we
1: haven't seen a nickel. <laughs> that's right.
2: I was just going to say, I saw well, a nickel today, but was didn't change for a donut. So
1: Strictly speaking, that's not exactly true. But you're right. We haven't. And and uh, th- But there are some expenses involved. There are some server fees involved, and there are various expenses to get some equipment that helps us do the pun- a little bit well, and better this, uh,
2: travel costs for the talent and, and, uh, that's
1: right and quite frankly <laughs> and quite frankly the three of us know. do work into this in this business so the idea of perhaps making a little bit of money for this kind of effort is not unreasonable i think there, there's a know.
0: lot there's a lot of you know green room expenses yeah. too so see i'm trying to be serious here and you guys are <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, listen, we're going to do the podcast. We've seen nobody you try to be this serious. This is totally optional. Us. This is totally, you know, up to you folks out there listening to this. Um, you don't need to. We're glad to do this for no charge for free. But if anybody did want to make a contribution, wanted to help us buy some more Avgas or pay the hosting bill or more lineys or whatever, um, what we've done is uh, we've set up a, a place in the sidebar on the homepage of the website, which has uh, some, some instructions on how you might uh, send us whatever it is you want to send us I, I, you know um it, it basically we're gonna call i guess we're gonna typically it's called the tip jar i don't know what, we, what we're gonna call it but uh, but it's going to be in there in the sidebar it's gonna be some very simple instructions um anybody who wanted to do that kind of thing we would be grateful and we would use it to pay some of our server fees or buy some avgas or whatever and uh and and well, Great, be,
2: grateful shocked,
1: stunned yeah, amazed you know and uh, uh, many
0: many uh, things uh, like that. And, and Every, the short, the short, everything Dave said. Yeah. yeah.
1: And the short answer is, um, and this actually one listener did this without even warning us uh (laughs) is uh he just used paypal to send some money to uh to podcast at uncontrolledspace.com which it's that simple if you're familiar with paypal if you know how paypal works you can actually send money to an email address and that's what this listener did which was terrific and uh, that
0: that was true we actually
1: corresponded with that member that that listener by email and thanked him but uh you could it's that simple um we're going to put a few more instructions for people who may not be familiar with paypal um and that'll be in the sidebar if if
0: and and you know, just one more reiteration here. Um, this is strictly voluntary. We're 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 happy to do this. We want We will continue to do this. This is not extortion of any measure. Um, um, on the other hand, if you do feel like you know, uh, sending a, a couple of bucks our way, uh, we will definitely appreciate it. Um, and uh, you S- might even send get a him mug. of
2: bucks and we'll <coughs> consider stopping. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can you can shut us up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. Moving on. Let's see now. We've got not one but two. Count them two off field landings of the week this week. Dun, 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 dun. The first one uh, is interesting. I mean, more than interesting. Okay, uh, this is from and this has actually been written about on all the all the uh, aviation websites. I saw it actually. Oh up, yeah,
2: once it once once it hit the Sunland Daily Press, it went AP and yeah. it went AP. It went worldwide. But I'm
1: reading from the website of uh, the uh, the I believe it's the Victorville Daily Press, which is a local yeah. newspaper out there in uh, in Victorville, and it says uh, a plane. Victorville
2: is in California, guys.
1: Okay. A plane piloted by the famous aviator Dick Rutan made an emergency landing Tuesday morning on a dirt road in Victorville. Rutan took off from the Mojave airport and was headed for Palm Springs when engine troubles forced him to land. He safely landed the Cessna on B- Butamer, I believe it would probably be Butamer or a uh, road just west of the airport around 9 30 AM. And, uh, so congratulations. It says the plane is expected to be loaded onto a transport vehicle and taken back to Mojave airport by Wednesday. So, uh, congratulations, Dick. We knew it, you had it in you and, uh, now, the picture that goes with this story shows a 152, which is, like, gratifying on many levels for me, being the 152 guy. And uh, um, I, I guess this is the airplane that, uh, yeah, according to the caption, this is the airplane he, he emergency landed. And uh, so he's out there flying. So this is like Dick Rutan, right, who could, like, pretty much talk to anybody in the world and say, can I fly your airplane? All right. Uh, and,
2: well, it was Dick that was flying the demos of the uh, 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 the rocket, long easy. rocket, right? The rocket, easy, exactly. And of course, the easy rocket that we were talking about a little while ago. Yeah,
1: and famously, uh, of course, was the co-crew of the uh, Voyager that did Round the world. I mean, this is a serious, serious stud pilot. Oh, all right. right, he
2: right. set a major, major long-distance records in his That's long right. easy, in his brother's design uh, before he did Voyager, and a uh, uh, combat pilot, chess pilot. Uh, flew with uh, the Air Force uh, over the NAM. Uh, really, as they say, uh, an accomplished pilot. It just goes to show you that you're never too big for a uh-huh. 150.
0: That's right. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and it just goes to show also uh, that uh, you know some training and, and a little bit of experience and in Rutan's case, of course, a lot of experience, but Uh some training and uh um you know, some a little bit of luck. But you know you know, an engine failure in an airplane is not the end of the world. It is, you know, something you train for, it is something that is more than survivable if you continue to fly the airplane and if you don't panic.
1: Yep. That's right. That's right. As a great uh, this is actually a golfer story but it applies to regular he says he, someone said uh you know are, are do you, do you attribute your 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 great success to luck and he says yes absolutely it's luck and he says the more I practice the luckier I get. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. So that's uh, uh, congratulations, Dick. Good job. Uh, off-field landing of the week, number one. Now here's off. This is not really an off-field landing of the week, but but it's caught my attention. So let's see now.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> a helicopter. This is from AeroNews.net. A helicopter transporting a man dressed as Santa Claus. This apparently was in Brazil. This is not here in the U.S. A helicopter transporting a man dressed as Santa Claus was shot down Sunday. <laughs> Over Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Reuters reports that no one was hurt in the incident, which forced the helicopter to make an emergency landing. That's the off-field landing part. Shots rang out as the hel- Hilo overflew Nova, Nova Mare, um, an area known for rampant drug drug trafficking. And uh, so there's more to the story. But uh, he shot, so, oh, here's the paragraph shot I like. Bravi- Brazilian officials say they don't believe Santa was directly targeted, but rather chalk the incident up to mistaken identity. Right. They, this they were not shooting at the other the, guy in the red coat.
2: Right? This know. is not part of the make-believe war on Christmas. This is part of the real-life war on surveillance. Uh, it, mm-hmm. I've been to Rio. It's... Fabulous place, some wonderful neighborhoods uh, and some neighborhoods that are like level five weather. You can survive going there, yeah, but you 're going to have a story to tell
0: yeah. <laughs> well santa
1: 's got a story to tell. The final paragraph in the story says that it takes uh, it also takes more than a little gunfire to discourage Santa Claus. The brave Santa later returned to Nova Mare via car to distribute his gifts so now,
2: I actually heard that it was a Brinks sled. <laughs> ...staffed by eight-armed reindeer in body armor with full automatic weapons and a bad attitude on their antlers. So <laughs> this. so
1: congratulations to Santa and presumably his crew members uh, in the helicopter for uh, safely landing under a difficult situation.
2: <laughs> and, and Santa... You know, my hat's off to you, man. That's cojones. You get shot down over place and you go back on the surface.
1: (laughs) That's right. Reaching the end of our allotted time here. Let's see, Dave, you were talking about something about weight and balance. What's going on?
2: Over the river and through the woods. Well, over the river and over the woods. And a lot of us are going to be flying off on the holidays here uh, about the time that this gets in your server. And I wanted to remind folks that the laws of physics do not grant waivers for Christmas trips yep uh, weight and balance is weight and balance payload is payload uh, pay insufficient attention to any one of them and you will wish you'd been it, it you'd been smart enough to put yourself through a digital security exam by the TSA. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So, yeah, as you're flying uh, to various destinations over the holiday season, be careful in all things. But uh, one of the ones you might not think so much about is weight and balance. We have a tendency to load our airplanes thinking we know what our airplane can take. And sometimes... You put things in it you're not used to. and
2: uh, It's when we deviate from what we usually do. That's right. You know, and, and Jeb and I, speaking, you know, as deviants, can attest to what happens when you deviate. I wasn't. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> I figured I'd get in ahead of you. I know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so,
0: Anyways.
2: you know, just mind, mind your loads. Mind I'm your weight this balance.
0: It's much longer. That's right.
2: <laughs> shout outs shout outs yeah, come, next, next come week. Come back safe
1: next week on the podcast we 're going to do uh, our sort of what 's becoming our and we did this last year, so uh, this is going to be our annual year in review episode and we 're going, to, we're <laughs> our going to talk,
2: second yeah. year in review
1: we 're going to talk wow. about uh, the stories that were notable throughout the year, uh, whether we covered them on the podcast or not. Uh, we may review some of the we may even play some clips from podcasts throughout the year. Uh, we're hoping to get both uh, James and Amy uh, on the podcast with us next week to uh, to share their uh, their uh, perspective on uh, the important stories and and happenings in general aviation throughout the year two thousand and seven. So that'll be next week in sixty uh, one. Uh, Other
2: shout outs from yeah, you guys? We, well, I was just going to say we just kind of glossed over that uh, you know this is the big six zero. Two more podcasts and we start drawing Social Security. Two? Is it two or five? 62 and a half. Yeah, I'm willing to go with a reduced
1: pension. I see. Okay. You realize, well, I know, Dave, you're there any day now, but by
2: the time I get to be that age.
0: He thinks (laughs) about this a lot more than you apparently, yeah.
2: Make like a Slim Jim, bite me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shout outs, Jeb. None. Okay. That's another one. Jeb Burnside. You can learn more about Jeb and his work at Jebburnside.com or Aviation Safety Magazine dot com or avweb.com. dot com. Dave I'm not even going to tell you his part. No, I'll tell you. His is uh, DaveHigdon.com. Uh, in spite of what you might have heard about him, is a great place to go and uh, and learn more. Look at some great aviation pictures and and, and read some writing. And uh, that's at DaveHigdon.com. I am Jack Hodgson at JackHodgson.com. Also, AroundTheField.net. And you can visit us all, including our brand new shiny forums area at uncontrolledairspace.com. So, we
2: love hearing from you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, everyone, for joining us here in the Virtual Hangar. And we'll talk
2: to you all again next time. You are the peppermint candy on our Christmas tree.